podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us. We are back, if you hadn't guessed already, from Miami. What a week we had. Brilliant time was had by all. Love doing the live shows. Love doing all the extra stuff. And we really appreciate all of you who listened, downloaded, watched our video content. And what a game to end it all, wasn't it? But hey, that is not where the Nat Coombs Show stops because we are rolling into the off-season because... The NFL is 365 these days, and there is so much to be talking about. So we're going to be dropping at least once a week, possibly more, as we get into the draft. And we're going to work our way out to Vegas, we hope. That is definitely on the agenda. So I'm talking to people in upstairs in, in high office to try and get, get the show on the road there. All kinds of talk that the Bengals might be dealing the number one pick. What does that mean? Who's in for Joe Burrow? More of that over the coming weeks. Uh, of course, free agency hotting up too. Dak Prescott, are the Cowboys going to pay him? Where's Brady going to land? What about Philip Rivers, Amari Cooper? Uh, the Cowboys have got a lot of decisions to be making under Mike McCarthy. So all the free agency period will be up to speed on the rumors, all the action as that happens as well. And how about the Jacksonville Jaguars news becoming the first team in NFL history to play back-to-back games outside of London. Announced this week, two games at Wembley Stadium back-to-back next season. The Jags' movement to London gaining pace, isn't it? That is a significant step. We'll be talking about that and all the big NFL stories in the offseason each and every week. And if that wasn't enough, for all of you football star fans out there, here comes the XFL almost 20 years to today that we first saw it. It is back. It is different. And I tell you what, I am really looking forward to it. Helping us paint the picture, get us set for the XFL season, which starts this Saturday. ESPN's Tom Luganbill will be joining us on the show very shortly to get us in the mood and let you know what to expect from the all-new Pro League in America. We're going to be chatting to Christian Wade as well. I caught up with him on Radio Row on the Friday last week in Miami. What a season he has had. High expectation. I think that Wade could make the 53-man Bills roster. He certainly feels he's got a decent shot. He was in fine form. So we'll check in with the full Christian Wade interview a little bit later on. But leading us off, getting us set for the launch of the XFL, let's check in with Tom Luganville. So, Tom, we've just got back from Miami. The jet lag, frankly, is still heavily, heavily in my body. And now you're telling me there's more football starting on Saturday. So the XFL is back, but it's a very different Mm -hmm. incarnation to the one we saw almost 20 years ago, isn't it? Right. It really is. And, you know, I, for one, was part of that original incarnation on the coaching side of things at that time. Now, obviously, involved on on the broadcasting side. And I think the single biggest change that you're going to see is how the product has been marketed to the public. Because one thing that I will argue is the first time around, if you were on the football side of it, it was all about football. We were with our rosters, building our team. We had guys on our team in Los Angeles that had super ranks. So that part wasn't the gimmick. But how it was presented on television was not how I think they wanted that to go. And we are going to be such a far deviation from that this time around, whether it's how it's going to look visually with our, our graphics and our support, um, the level of professionalism of the broadcasters that have been assigned to the, with both ESPN and Fox, because it's very important to the XFL and to us 
that the fan of football, and there's an appetite for it on a year-round basis, knows that this is all ball, no gimmick, and that's how it's going to be presented. Well, let's have a look at that in, in more detail. So firstly, the uh, appointment uh, of Oliver Luck, I think it's very mm-hmm. representative of, of that strategy, right? Oliver Luck, you know, clearly uh, a serious football brain, and he's been the architect of, of what we're going to see. There are eight teams in the XFL, seven of which already play in NFL cities, and St. Louis gets a team back to make yeah. up the eighth team. And starting with the head coaches, uh, mm-hmm. a number of names that are going to be familiar to NFL fans the world over. So I would like to start off with Oliver Luck because you, you bring up a, a good point in relationship to what he brings to all of this because he's been involved in the startup franchise before. He's been involved in a startup league. He's done it at the MLS level with soccer. Did it in NFL Europe back in 1995 when they brought the old World League back. So he knows the ins and outs of what it takes to have to build something from the ground up. And you know, you mentioned the coaches, and I mentioned how important it is for people to understand the level of professionalism that is involved here, whether it's 30, 40 years of experience coaching in a combination of the National Football League or the collegiate level, and then that goes down into the assistant coaches as well. You know, somebody like Mike Riley, who was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers in Oregon State and Nebraska, is the offensive coordinator um, at Seattle. So you have a wealth of experience, top to bottom of the league, of really smart football people. And I think Oliver realized that to have credibility with with this thing, the people that you got to hire have to believe in it and believe that it can work, which means you got to get real football people. And they've really done a nice job of that this time. Well, NFL Europe is a really interesting reference point here because clearly for, for many years now, since the demise of NFL Europe, there hasn't been anything even remotely resembling a feeder league for the NFL. I know there have been, you know, a couple of attempts at, at professional leagues that, that haven't worked. And that is very much a gap that the XFL sure. can move into, right? Outside of captivating a fan base in the offseason by giving them football. Uh, that's obviously a, a, you know, a key objective, but at the same time, providing. Sure. A, a really fundamental resource for NFL teams to be looking at fringe players and keeping fringe players working out. Uh, and ultimately with the yep. objective, I guess, of them being fed into the league if they if they live up to a certain level. I think that's all valid. And I will say that, you know, the XFL is trying to compete with the NFL. It's a professional American football league. But you're right. There are, listen, there are so many really talented football players um, that are not on a 53-man NFL roster. There's only 32 teams. Well, there's 130 college football teams, all right, right at the Division One level that feed into what the National Football League is now. That leaves a lot of good players that maybe haven't had the right fit or at the right time, and things just didn't work out. But there's nowhere else for them to play. So you create this opportunity for a hungry player with a chip on their shoulder that has an opportunity to get better and develop. And you know what? If there's an opportunity in the NFL for that player after he's played in the XFL for two years, by all means, terrific. All the luck, the XFL, they're going to support that. The one thing that we have done, and I think it's smart, is if you sign a contract with the XFL, you're not going to be let out of that contract. Right. Um, but there's an opportunity at the completion of the season for, you know, you're following, you're going right into the NFL draft, then you're going to go right into mini camp. I remember the first time around when, when we had Tommy Maddox at Los Angeles, that season ended. We won the championship. Two weeks later, he's in minicamp at Pittsburgh. And next thing you know, he's taken the Steelers to the AFC championship game. So 
What I think you'll see is you'll see a blend of younger players that would probably be termed to be a little bit more developmental, and then they will be combined with guy that this day has five years of NFL active roster experience, but maybe he was a salary cap casualty, but he still has three or four good years of football left in him, and now all of a sudden he adds credibility and an experience level to the XFL that can really upgrade the level of football. Okay, well, let's let's talk more about how the game is going to differ from from the NFL because, as you established, that the, it's gimmick free compared to the first time right. around. Yeah. But nevertheless, there have been some quite shrewd things introduced in terms of the rules and and differentials from the NFL that should uh, speed up the game. That's kind of one of the key things that Oliver Luck, in particular, has emphasised. There should be a faster. Uh, more freewheeling game in, in many respects. So talk us through some of the, the fundamental differences between the two. Well, I think there's a, there's a few things that you'll notice right away because visually it will get your attention. And I, I do want to address how we got to this point. I think the XFL and Oliver Luck and his staff did a great job of the last two and a half years of going out and really, you know what? Pulling the football fans. What do you like about the game? What do you dislike about the game? What would you change if you could change football? And really a lot of the common denominators of the responses they got, well, there's too much lag time between plays. The game lasts too long. Replays are taking too long to decipher. Um, we, we wish we could listen in on what type of conversation a coach is having with a player during the game. So what do you do? You go and you start to tweak the rules around that. And so what they've done is they've tweaked the play clock a little bit, and they also have what's going to be called the designated ball spotter. Their job is when the play ends, regardless of where it ended on the field, they will be running out and placing that ball on the ground so these offenses can go. Um, one of the other areas that I think helps speed up the game is, as we have in the National Football League, there's a radio communication in the helmet of the quarterback, and the coach can give them the play, and then after, once that play clock gets to 15 seconds, it shuts off. The difference in the XFL is not only will the quarterback have that radio communication, every skilled offensive player will have it in their helmet too, and it does not go off once the play clock hits 15 seconds. So theoretically, if a coach is talking to his quarterback, all of the receivers and the tight ends and backs are hearing it. Mm. The linemen are the only people that need to be told anything, and the coach can coach the the quarterback through a progression leading up to the play, and the fan's going to be able to hear it. So you're going to have some of those areas that I think are going to make it going to make the game fast. Now, as, as everybody knows, the, the game of football is, is under a lot of criticism for how violent and dangerous of a game it is. So player safety is at an all-time premium right now, as well it should be. So what we've done and, and what the league has done is they've some of the, the special teams in kicking game plays to do two things. Ensure that you don't eliminate the kicking game. But you'll have excitement of a return play and at the same time probably have more safety within the play. And so I use the the kickoff for an example. You're going to see, and it's hard to put in the phrasing right now without visually seeing it, but the, the rules are going to be geared for the offense to have some advantages in terms of field position. They want the ball to be kicked off. They want the ball to be returned because it's an exciting play, but want to limit those those just fast, explosive collisions that can lead to injury. So you're going to see some tweaks in the kicking game with both the punt game and the kickoff and kickoff return game. So there's there's going to be a lot of rules you're going to be very, very familiar with. There's not going to be any distinct, huge 
um, you know, deviations from what you know. But there are going to be some things that I think will speed up the pace of the game and in, in put the offense in a position to score points, which is what play, uh, fans obviously want to see. Yeah. The other thing I think is really interesting in terms of uh, uh, in terms of, I guess, accentuating the offense t- to the next level is the receiver one foot uh, out of bounds rule, right? Which is going to, again, just play very much into the hands of high scoring games. Yeah, I mean, the, the so many of the offensive rules as they apply to the college game versus the NFL game are going to lean more towards the college game. Mm. You mentioned one foot bounds as opposed to two feet in bounds. I like the play clock and the fact that it's not always going to Stop the way we've seen it stop in college football before. You're still going to have stoppages, but more often than not, the, the clock's going to roll through. So it's going to put coaches and players alike in a position where they've got to execute at a very, very fast pace. And it should make the speed of the game in terms of the fans' visual uh, of it. There's not going to be a lot of downtime in between plays. And overtime is the other key key rule before we look at some of yeah. the teams quickly. So overtime, fundamentally different to what we've seen before. Dramatically different. So essentially, you're gonna each team's going to have five opportunities. And your opportunity is to get one play. And you get one play from the five-yard line. And you run a play. If you score, you get a point. If you don't, you go off the field. The next team comes on. They get their opportunity. It ended up being like a, a best three out of five type of situation. And uh, it, it is... It's one and done for each one, and you're going to see both of the teams do this at the same end of the field. One offense will run on. They'll run their play. Whether they get it or not, it won't matter. They'll run off. The next offense will run on, trying to get their play. So um, based off of what the new PAT field, uh, the new PAT rule is and the choices out there, that remains to be seen. Okay, you mentioned that there are a lot of players that have bounced around the league, had a cup of coffee, or players who've come out of college didn't quite make the cut. Maybe you were on practice squads, maybe you were on rosters at the, the height of summer when they had 90, 100 on, but uh, were kind of trimmed down. And there are a lot of players like that when you look around. I was working at the Super Bowl when we were broadcasting it with a part of the broadcast team was a guy called Marlon Favorite, who you will know, of course, from you know covering college. Who I think probably had 10 or 11 different teams you know during his NFL career. And they're fringe kind of players. So we're going to see a lot of guys like that. But there are some names that... Uh, the serious NFL fans will know instinctively, uh, and well, the casual NFL fans will know instinctively as well. Landry Jones, of course, uh, perhaps most notably, he's going to be the Dallas quarterback. Uh, Matt McGloin, uh, formerly of the Raiders, he's playing in New York. Josh Johnson is playing in Los Angeles. There are going to be players straight off the bat uh, that NFL fans will know, and of course, uh, stars will will start to emerge. That that is the game plan. What do you think is the XFL's uh, primary set of objectives this season in terms of, I mean, let's take attendance for starters because the New York team are playing in MetLife and, you know, I've, I did the Super Bowl yeah. there a few years back. That's a big old stadium. So what are they hoping <laughs> in terms of attendance? And uh, and I guess beyond that, after after the season is done and dusted, what do you think will will represent success for the XFL this year? So, you know, let's let's address the, the attendance side of things because I think it's a question that's difficult to answer right now because nobody's seen what the product going to be right but i will say this and you mentioned new york and then of course st louis they're going to play and where, where the old rams used to play so two big stadiums there but what i do think is really positive is and we didn't have this the first time around in the xfl is there are so many nfl cities and so many cities now that have mls franchises that they have built venues for well those venues are going to seat anywhere between 19 and twenty-three thousand. Huh. so For example, our opener with D.C. and Seattle is going to be in D.C. at Audi Field in a stadium where 
if they got 15,000 people, it's going to look three quarters full, yep. which is a good thing. It's a positive thing. So to have those venues, I think is going to be really good. Fans are going to become more and more engaged, the better the football is. It's going to be difficult for the game to be super clean right out of the gate. You know, you only have training camp for four weeks. You don't have preseason games. So I, I think the health of the league will continue to grow as the quarterbacks, and you mentioned many of them, as the quarterbacks start to emerge, who gets hot, who starts, you know, playing really good football. And I, I really believe, and this is the responsibility of us and, and, and certainly of Foxes. The fans will respond if it's presented in a professional manner. Right. Yeah. So to fast forward to the end of the season, if you avoid it and you get quarterback play, then the football's probably going to be pretty good. And going into what we obviously hope is year two and then year three and then year five, seven, whatever it is, you're going to get better players coming to the league because they see it as a more full opportunity if they think it's here to stay. And it's our job and the XFL's job in the interim to get it to that point. It must be really rewarding for you, knowing the college game as well as you do, that you're seeing players who hitherto would, had played their last game of football, right? The last college game they played. They, they weren't necessarily given an opportunity to ever play again, which is always something that's quite poignant for me when I'm watching the final phases of a college season and thinking these guys are never, they've been playing since they were six or five and they're never going to play the game again. There's a whole yeah. lot of players now that are going to be getting given the chance to play pro uh, football and who knows where that might go. And that must be really rewarding for, for you covering it and, and knowing mm-hmm. the college game as you do. In terms of, uh, the key, uh, the key teams and in, in terms of the favorites, bearing all that in mind, bearing that you've probably got a bit more intel than, uh, the average everyday uh, football fan because of the, the strength and depth of your knowledge of those rosters, you've probably got a fairly good idea of which teams are going to contend. But I guess at the moment, it's still very hard to call because we're starting from, you know, ground zero here that we don't really know yeah. the capability of any of these sides. So who in your estimation, bearing all that in mind, are the, uh, are the, are the key runners and riders? Who are the favorites to do well this year? Um, I, I think a lot of people have looked at, at you know, St. Louis as, as being uh, a pretty difficult team to contend with. They're going to have an athletic quarterback in, in Jordan Dow. And I think that's another thing to be noted. You're going to have to be a pretty good athletic quarterback in this league, I think initially, until the offensive lines get settled in. So I, I, I like I, I like St. Louis coming off the draft, and I covered the XFL draft. I thought D.C. drafted very, very well. To your point, we just don't know yet. Got to see... Four teams in person for a two-day period, it's so tough to tell. And my experience on the coaching side of it, and having been in NFL Europe and then and then certainly with the XFL, if your quarterback ends out and you avoid injury, you're going to have distinct advantages in terms of going into every contest every week. Now, that would lead me to believe that a guy like Landry Jones has got the most NFL experience of any of these quarterbacks, or Matt McGoin, uh, more NFL experience. Maybe they have the advantages going in. Time will tell. We'll We'll, we'll find out, but it is, and, and to your point about the rosters and the players, it's kind of nostalgic too, because part of my duties at ESPN is to cover high school football recruiting. So like, I remember Cardale Jones coming out of Glenville high school when he was, before he attended Ohio state. And I'm sitting here looking my, my, my sheet here that I've been studying up on as we get ready to prepare. And there's just so many names and you see, and it makes you realize once again, there's a lot of really good football players out there that aren't on NFL rosters, and now there's a place for them. Yeah, because it's a great point. The whole situation, uh, is we see a time and time again, so important being in the right time, right place, and a second chance or a first chance in some respects for a lot of these players, which is terrific to see. Well, you've teed it up brilliantly, and it kicks off this weekend, of course, the first games 
on Saturday. We can't wait for it. I know over here in the UK, an appetite for football is 365. So the XFL riding in with perfect timing. So we're going to try and get a lot of our listeners uh, on board and making sure that they are getting introduced and involved with the season as it rolls out. Really appreciate your time. Good luck with the broadcast and check in really soon. All right. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate you having me. Lovely stuff from Tom. Uh, he will be a regular guest on the show all through the XFL season. If you hadn't guessed already, he is one of the broadcasters as part of the ESPN crew for the coverage. So uh, really looking forward to watching how that league plays out. And he is the man to keep us up to speed and in the know. Let's move swiftly along. Second guest of today's episode, an interview I did last week in Miami in the middle of chaos, the chaos on Radio Row. I actually interviewed him a year ago, pretty much to the day on Radio Row as well. And what a year it's been for Christian Wade. Let's check in with the Buffalo Bill. Christian, it was almost exactly a year to the day that you and I did an interview at the Atlanta Super Bowl. A lot's happened in that year, huh? Yeah, so much has happened, so much. But I'm just happy to be here again, speaking to you. Um, it's been a it's been a crazy year. Um, probably I couldn't have imagined it any other way. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're able to, was able to get onto the field, get a couple of snaps, scored a touchdown, made some plays. Yeah. Um, How then, could you feel after that when you know preseason and, and not just making some plays, making plays that everybody everyone was talking about? I mean, the whole NFL yeah. was talking about it. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I, it's kind of like a fairy tale. Yeah. It's not really an ending, fairy tale beginning, really. Um, the the reaction from my teammates to just like how everyone received it on on the internet, and it's just been incredible. Just the amount of encouragement I've had throughout the season. Um, obviously, the the running back room that we have, the players that I have around me that were all encouraging and and really help helpful in my my development and learning the game and knowing the plays and stuff. It's just been a an incredible year and, and and the Bills is probably like the best organisation that I could have could have uh, gone to to try and learn my craft how so? just the whole setup from my um, owners Kim and Terry Pagula um, investing whatever investing however much money we need in terms of facilities I believe we have the best facilities in the, in the league um, then just the way we travel the, the culture that's been created obviously by us as a team but it's been driven by um, by Coach McDermott, and in the way that all the other coaches underneath him, um, how they treat us as players, how they look after us, has just the way they coach us. It's just just the whole environment. It's just you, you, everyone's thriving. Everyone wants to do well, and um, it's just yeah, it's just a, a great a great place to be. Phoebe Schechter is a, a regular on our yeah. show, someone you know well. She talks about that energy in the place. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, and it's a perfect place for you to be. I remember we spoke, as I said, the Super Bowl, then we chatted as you were getting into training camp and mm-hmm. later on in the year, and you're talking about the different challenges transitioning from one sport to another. How do you feel you dealt with those challenges, and do you, did anything come up that was maybe unexpected that you hadn't foreseen? How's, how's the year gone as a, as a player, as an athlete, in terms of switching lanes? Um, it's, it's been, uh, it's definitely been like a whirlwind, like a lot of ups and downs, like from being honest in terms of just sometimes you wake up really early and like, oh, the, like the, our days are so long. We have um, so many meetings, more meetings than I'm used to. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm on the board of directors. A huge firm. Um, just meetings after meetings after meetings. But 
that's that's the that's the name of the game. Like, there's so much detail that goes into it, and I've definitely I've developed like a new level of respect for players before me. Players who are in the league, pe- people who've been playing for 15 years, like Frank Gore. Mm. It's just this game's different. Like, it's not for everyone. You do really have to love football and enjoy it, and you do have to be a scholar of the game to be a- anywhere near successful. So, those guys out there about to play the Super Bowl. Like I know this has been a long season for them, and um, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just a, it's a crazy sport, but I love it. It's, well, enjoying it is the number one thing, right? Yeah. And so what next? So the, the Bills obviously keen to keep you in the mix, and I guess ambition. And there was talk that you were going to make the fifty-three man roster going to last season. So that's got to mm. be the number one objective, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Like my my whole plan is to make the fifty-three. Um, I wouldn't have it like any other way or have, wouldn't have a different mindset whatsoever. Um, I'm definitely going to be just keep working my butt off. Um, keep keep working, keep trying to learn the game, keep trying to develop uh, my understanding of the plays and uh, just, just keep putting myself in the best position I can. Talk about the partnership with Josh Allen and the arm that he's got and the <laughs> speed that you've got. I've heard some theories that you look at how McCall Harmon's working out at the Chiefs that that could be a really interesting role for you yeah it's um, it's definitely like scope for me to be able to try to find like my my uh, position in the team because that's mm. that's obviously where you have to there's so many different players on the field um, you've got different coaches and different ways of playing and stuff so you I guess it's kind of for the coaches for the players to kind of find their way um, and what they actually bring into the team, and what's gonna what's gonna help the team to win? Because that's what that's what it's all about at the end of the day. How are we gonna win? What what? How are we gonna use our players to to make that happen? So, I think just me, just keep doing my work, um, keep learning the game and stuff. We'll try and find a way to to get me in the team, or I'll try and find a way to make myself an option. And um, yeah, just just see really. I've got I know I can catch, I can run, I've got footwork. Um, my, my biggest downfall is that I've only been playing for a year. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's been a fast, a fast track year, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. What about the Bills Mafia? Because, I mean, the Ooh. Bills fans are really behind you, uh, and are really behind you, but were particularly because of what you were doing in pre-season. The Bills Mafia, how do they compare to to football fans back home? Um, Football fans back home, obviously, is... Are, are, are wild, but I feel, I feel like they've calmed down a bit, you know? Yeah, the game's obviously, changed. Obviously, there's a lot yeah. of... Uh, there's a lot of trouble back in the day and stuff, so it's calmed down. Um, football fans in America are just wild. Uh, well, we have the best fans in the world. The Bills Mafia, definitely the best fans. They're just crazy throwing people through tables. Although they've calmed down with that because there's been obviously a lot of injuries. And, right. Um, the emergency room was was overflowing with uh, Bills fans, so they had to uh, <laughs> switch that up. Um, but yeah, they've got the the ketchup and mustard man. He stands there, and someone, everyone's just squirting ketchup and mustard all over him and his beard. Um, how did he, he get that gig? How did that? Who decided I have that? No, I have no idea. <laughs> I like I just remember up. seeing him on YouTube, and then flying over to Buffalo, obviously to be with the team and stuff, and then seeing it in, in real life. I was like, this is actually crazy. I don't, right. I don't know how someone came up with it, but it's just a big party. Tailgate is tailgating is like huge over here so yeah yeah they just want to have fun and whether it's rain sun sleet snow they're always out there doing the same stuff great stuff from wade we are willing him 
all the way to that roster spot. And I've got a feeling he is going to make it. And I've got a feeling he is going to be a significant player as part of an exciting young Bills team next season. So it's great to see him nailing it and keeping on, keeping on. Many thanks to Tom as well. More from him on the XFL as we roll through the offseason. We're back same time, same place next week. So make sure you subscribe, download, because you will not miss a trick as far as the NFL offseason is concerned right here on the Nat Coombe Show. We'll see you then. Podcast Network.